pace. Are you serious? Oh, my goodness! Glorious and free! More in the morning continues on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Cherry Agar in for John Moore today. He'll be back tomorrow and joining me on the morning brief. Scott Reed, CTV political analyst and former advisor to a prime minister. That was exciting stuff yesterday, Scott. Well, so exciting that I managed to, like, you know, pull out the rabbit ears, uh, grab some tinfoil, and finally figured out how to get it on radio because I was driving. And then, uh, you know, did that thing where I wouldn't leave the vehicle um, until the hole was completed because, I, you know, I didn't want to uh, miss it. So, yeah, so crazy exciting. And a 72-foot uh, putt after all that, like, just you know, I always think about the guy who's next to him, right? And you're like sitting there and you're going, okay, well, here's what I got to do. Then we're going to pump this. And we're going to take this one forward. We're going to replay. Okay. All right. I know what I'm doing. What? He made it. Are you kidding me? Fantastic. I, I just by myself uh, in the living room yesterday out loud went, oh my God. Like when he sunk yeah. that putt, he made one mistake though, uh, Nick Taylor. And that was, I heard Ashley Vagasic play a clip of him saying, I just wanted to get it up there close. I couldn't believe it went in. No, 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 no. You say, <laughs> I knew I was going to sink that putt right from the get go. That's what you say. Yeah, no, I could feel it. I could feel it. That's. Yeah. Uh... Um, did you see the way, though, that might be my favorite thing, oddly enough. Do you see what the security takeout Adam Hadwin like he was a presidential assassin? Like, it was insane. Full body tackle. Yes. I'm only laughing because nobody got hurt. But I, I had commented earlier, am I being unfair, Scott? I commented earlier, wait a second. You're doing security at the Canadian Open. Uh, Adam Hadwin came 12th in the tournament. You don't know who he is? No kidding. Going in, he, him and Corey Connors would have been your most prominent Canadians, not Nick Taylor, to be honest. So, right. yeah, it was it was funny. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's go to something not funny, and it's this ongoing circus around an investigation into Chinese interference in, and any other foreign interference in our elections. And I was surprised on late on Friday when David Johnson stepped down and said, OK, I'm out. You don't like me. Um, you're on your own. Yeah, I was surprised too, but I felt like I shouldn't have been. I mean, if you look at the week that preceded, it was just such a debacle. The thing had turned into a barnyard farce. And, um, you know, I really think if you look at the way it went down, you look at the letter that was released, it felt to me like I'm sure Johnson himself was questioning, do I really need this anymore? But it felt like somebody put their hand on his back also. So, um, you know, late Friday, just had all the earmarks of uh, the government's decided they're going to just, you know, enough's enough. Now the question is, what's next and why? Like, and the reason I say why, uh, I thought Dominic LeBlanc was quite shrewd and, and capable in the way he handled himself on Saturday and Sunday, Saturday in his news conferences, Sunday on shows like Bashy's. But, you know, and the reason he was shrewd was he was like, listen, all right, like if I don't know if they're also hell bent and determined to get an inquiry, then then we'll talk to them, see if they can come up with a name. You know, if it's just going to be another mix master where we shred somebody's reputation, then that doesn't make a lot of sense. But from my perspective, you know, like just just do something like don't don't. I don't even know why you bother holding a public inquiry at this point. I certainly wouldn't hold hearings. <clears throat> Just put out a five-point plan. Say, this is what we're doing on Chinese police stations. This is what we're doing with respect to cyber attacks. This is the person and process we're doing to rewire how our intelligence agencies handle and share information. This is what we're doing on foreign agents and establishing a registry. Like, 
we kind of roughly know what the four, five, six blocks of things to do are. Just announce action. But all we do is argue about process, and then it becomes a political gong show, which, by the way, is not engaging Canadians because it's a million miles from their number one priority. So I would just get on with it. All right, but can the opposition parties get along for a few minutes, this is what they say they're going to do, and do the investigation or even what you're suggesting, regardless of what Trudeau wants to do? Well, the opposition parties, you know, I mean, their role in this, and they've said they want to take advantage of it, would be to say, these are what we think the terms of reference ought to be, and this is, you know, the kind of person that would be um, acceptable. Um I, I'm skeptical that it's going to yield any results. I'm convinced it will just be a Potters and gang show. You know, the terms of reference have to be that they must discover that Justin Trudeau, you know, killed D.B. Cooper. And the, you know, the only person acceptable is, you know, whatever, like some rabid partisan uh, yeah. that, you know, of their of their choosing. So I'm, I'm not I'm not very um, I, I, what I really worry is the government will make this offer thinking that the opposition won't be able to help themselves, but be super partisan. The opposition will be super partisan. Then the government will cynically say, see, it's a it's a waste of time. Now we're not going to have a public inquiry at all. Instead, we're just going to move to taking action. Just get to the end. Get to the finish line. Just start doing things. Fix the problem. Stop talking about the process to fix the problem. All right. Bonnie Crombie, mayor of Mississauga, is going to make it official apparently on Wednesday that she's running for Ontario Liberal leadership. She is paid almost $300,000 a year to be the mayor of Mississauga. Can she do both at once? Well, I'll be very interested to see what she says on that. I, I think it's very difficult. I think it's extremely difficult. I like Bonnie. I saw her actually on Saturday night in Ottawa, and uh, she seemed to have uh, lots of interest at the parliamentary press gallery, and she was down there, and there was a lot of people buzzing around her. And um, and I think the second she enters, she's the overwhelming front runner with her name recognition, the network that she'll bring. Um, but I think this question is going to dog her. And I think she either has to decide to step aside and not accept the salary or, um, or she's, you know, I think going to suffer this question over and over and over again. And it's a legitimate question. So um, we'll see how she handles that on Wednesday. The way she handled questions about it when she was in at the station the other day, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't very reassuring. Uh, it was a little bit of a tone of "Don't worry about it. I got it. It's no big yeah. deal." I, I think it's good. It's it's her first political challenge as a candidate, and um, we'll see how she handles it Wednesday. But I don't think it's sustainable to to sit in the job and to run for another. I asked her about it in the hallways here. She was in to be on with John Moore in the morning show, but I ran into her in the hallway, and I asked her about it. I said, "Can you really run for leadership of the Liberal Party and do an effective job as mayor of Mississauga?" And I thought her answer was very dismissive and condescending—not to me, but to the people of Mississauga. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. It'll be. I mean, I, you know, if she has any common sense, and she does, I think she's an astute politician. She's going to recognize that she has to have a different answer on Wednesday. My my assumption is that she'll say, "I'm I'm going to step aside." Um, you know, I'm going to you know take a leave of absence, and you know during that time, whatever, I'll donate my salary to uh, to charity, or I won't uh, accept my salary. I don't know what's mechanically possible, but my guess is she'll do something like that. All right. Now, um, should companies pay employees for the commute to the office? This 
this is a new benefit people are looking for because, you know, after they spent two years at home during the pandemic, as you know, many people are loath to go back to the office on any regular basis. I, I, I suspect the answer to that question is depends on the employee. Yeah, I mean, the reality is um, the, the answer is going to be if they have to. You know, like, I mean, that's, 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 uh, you know, lots of places won't lots of places, their labor force, they won't need to, they'll be able to say, fine, if you don't want to, then, uh, then we'll get rid of you. Maybe even, you know, lots of workplaces, depending upon the individual. So they'll have to figure out what their HR rules are in terms of uniform application. But, you know, it seems absurd that you should have to ask people to come to work, uh, as part of, you know, having a job and going to work. But I think that's a world in which we are in and, so I think we'll see lots of employers, uh, you know, end up paying incentives for people to, you know, be in the office. If in fact, that's what it takes to get, um, to get them in the office because they've determined that that's a necessary element of having the place work productively. I've been a manager and I could imagine myself doing this. Um, yeah, that's right, George. We're paying Susan's commute. We're not paying yours. You need to decide right now whether you work here or not. We really need her. We got some people who could replace you, quite frankly, if you want to have this argument. So what do you want to do? Yeah. Listen, be a Susan. Don't be a George. George is screwed. <laughs> That's right. People are going to find out how important they are to the company. We only have a minute here. The Canadian government seized that Russian cargo plane that's been sitting at Pearson. They're going to give it to Ukraine. Did they do the right thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, there, there may be, you know, you'll get lawyers arguing why this isn't quite right or other, you know, implications and precedents that people say are uncomfortable. But yeah. Like, there's a big war going on. We're on one side of it. I say we put our thumb on that scale in a heavy way. We have to be on one side of it, and we're on the right side. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. It's mind-boggling to me that, the you know, the, the direction of American politics, where you're starting to see this hesitation, not starting to see, you're seeing a deeply embedded hesitation about what the right side of this war is. It's staggering to me that the American Republicans don't see that that's where their self-interest is. I mean, not all of them. Nikki Haley's spoken out about it, others, but my God, you know, this whole Trumpy, let's just uh, keep kissing Putin's butt, it's staggering. All right. Scott Reed, good to have you. Thanks very much. See you, Jer.